Hi everyone, welcome to Welcome Home. I'm Timmy. And I'm May. And this is our intro episode. Yes, I think we're, this is going to be a podcast in which we talk about uh, whatever we want to talk about mixed in art, right? Yeah, facts. Yeah, more or less. Or as in, you know, period. Period. <laughs> period. I think we should point out that we are in completely different countries. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you want to go first? I am from the United States. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, the Windy City, the one city that stinks really bad. Um, <laughs> um, but still a very beautiful city. I, I love my city. And where are you from? Oh, oh, wow. This is loaded. Um, I am currently in London, London, UK. Um, I do not have all these adjectives that uh, may seem to have, but I'm in... <laughs> I'm in one of the most expensive and busiest cities in the world. Um, what else? Yeah, I think that's about it. Not I, much to say about London. I so want to go to London. It is all the pictures are so beautiful. Well, I mean, all the pictures and that you know, taking in France are so beautiful, but everyone comes back saying, mm, "Well, <laughs> I'd rather live in the pictures than you know." <laughs> yeah. I think it's just that longing of not not having lived or been there to a certain place that makes it the novelty, yeah, that makes it look gorgeous. To me, America's gorgeous. I've never been you know, to anywhere. A lot of people say that, and then they come here and they think we're, like, really violent because of all the stuff that happens. <laughs> what? Really? Yes, I've had so many people, like so many people I've run into in contact with, and they're like, oh, You're from Chicago? Isn't it like your murder capital? And I'm like, uh, Whoa, someone says that? Yeah, girl, they, they really think that we're dangerous over here. And I'm like, Well, I like bunnies. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Never shot a how, would, how would someone immediately say, Oh, isn't that like the murder capital? You know, well, and just feel comfortable just riding that, riding that on. I don't know how people are with their comfortability, but according to the news, like America isn't always portrayed very well. So, well, wait. Okay, so before last year, okay, I should I should clarify. I'm originally, oh God, I'm originally from Nigeria. Um, please never ask me that in real life because mm -hmm. saying originally is really annoying. But um, so. When I was in Nigeria, America and the UK actually, but mostly America was so glorified, like just even having been there for holiday <laughs> or even just grace the streets. I don't know, you've ushered in American air and brought it back home. Oh, you are a goddess and whatnot. So up until 2020, that, that was still kind of, I, I would admit that in my head, even though there's like social media now and, you know, cultures emerging and all of that, um, there was just, America was definitely still um, on a, what's it called when you put something on a, a pedestal? pedestal, yes, mental pedestal for me. So last year and the beginning of this year with the capital thing, I was like, oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but UK not looking so good either. So 
everyone's kind of a bit, you know. We're all crazy. Um, yeah. So in the conversation of being crazy and crazy things, why don't you tell us how you got into being or or how do you, do you proclaim yourself as an artist? What do you what do you call yourself? How did you get into this journey of artistry? Tell us a little bit more about you. <laughs> now I'm just thinking, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, so okay, uh, how did I get into this? I think I was just like tossed in, and I say tossed because. Um, I wouldn't say like from the get-go I've been a poet or I've always written poems or I've always just wanted to write. I think I was tossed in per my circumstance. So living on and growing up in Nigeria, uh, just being surrounded by the only other options of occupation, being a doctor, an engineer, and, you know, fitting absolutely nowhere. And then my parents saying, oh, you argue a lot. So certainly you're a lawyer. Um, <laughs> Right, exactly. Right. So what what happened was that my mom decided to start buying me books from early so that I could get used to reading law books. That was actually her go-to. But when she tells the story now, she just goes, oh, yeah, you know, I'm the one who got her into... Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but... I know the real reason why, but um, so it was like those Enid Blyton books, they were really cool to me then, um, obviously being very ignorant of culture and whatever, but it was mostly like the way the stories were woven, the way the characters were real, like I would have vivid imaginations of me and the characters sitting in my room reading their stories. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, up until... I made real friends. That was, those were my first, um, you know what? I shouldn't really say that because apparently I heard, I had uh, friends in nursery that I just found out about, but those were my, the books, the characters, the book characters were my first mental friends, if that makes sense. I sound like a nut, but uh, I'm going (laughs) to go with it. (laughs) Yeah. So then I started writing when I was like 10 by that time in Nigeria, you're preparing for this thing called common entrance. Yeah, so it's preparing to go to high school. And you're essentially making that decision of who you're going to become. Because in Nigeria, it's where you go and who you know that makes you who you are. Not necessarily, you know, your own identity. It's more of just everything else, you know, outside, which is sad. No pressure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I feel like the choice schools that my parents like picked out. And then there was one more school. It was all girls Catholic. Uh, I am not going to say their name. No, no free clout. Um, (laughs) So I got there and I that was where I started writing. And because I like once I started writing, I felt like it was magic. I really couldn't stop like I was thinking, why haven't I done this ever? Because I had a lot of of like pent up rage, emotion, just from, first of all, from being Nigerian. Just anyone who who has ever lived in Nigeria for long periods of time, you you get my drift and I know you do. So... (laughs) Um, yeah, so that, that, that's, that was first. And then from just growing up, you know, in my fam, um, but yeah, the more I wrote, the less I actually did well in school, which is weird. (laughs) 
especially in English, the only subject that I was really good at was literature. Okay. Yeah, and I was confused. I was like, dang, I'm, I'm, I'll be writing in English. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's the problem? But now looking back, I don't think I was coherent, like even in the least. Like it was really bad English, but at least I was writing every day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, then I just stopped when my parents uh, started like finding my mini comics and mini uh, storybooks, novellas, I'd say. Um, you know, my mom would rip it up, burn it, but oh. not like in a malicious way. <laughs> she wasn't doing that in a malicious way. She was doing it in a, you are wasting school fees. We are paying for you to pass math and English. Do that first. And then you focus, you know, mm-hmm. on the, yeah. But I wasn't having it. Um, but then when it seemed like, <laughs> when, when I had heard one of my aunties talking about all these creative courses, um, taking creative courses in university. Uh, so, and I then started taking my education. Yeah, education. <laughs> my education. My education really seriously. Um, in, so it's called senior secondary school. So it's right before university. Um, and yeah, so then I just did well enough to get out. But then I got out and I still couldn't be creative. Like, and then I started like blog entries when I got to the UK um, because my dad had chosen my course for me and I didn't realize that. But yeah, um, he chose my foundational course. I don't know if you guys do A-levels in America. I don't know. I don't think like the course before like college, college, like is there like a foundational we program? Don't. No. So typically you go straight from high school, which is what is like a four years of high school to college. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know if I, do you know what? I'm not too, I'm not well versed in the UK system as of yet, but I think like you, I either have to do a levels or form 12 or something like a precursor to university because it's such a whack in the face apparently Mm. (laughs) I say apparently like I didn't go through but twice you know (laughs) but um what's it called uh yeah so I started blogs and I just really loved the feeling of writing it really felt like and also writing helped me with memory because when I once I left Nigeria um there were some things that I had repressed from like when I was younger and I would be writing my characters and I would read and I'd be like y'all sound familiar who (laughs) (laughs) Who are you and then like it was only recently sadly because I was only just finding um my old journals from 2015 2014 and realizing oh wow it's memories in here that I thought yeah those are gone forever okay you know so that's been my writing journey yeah and now I'm writing a book so yeah don't know just so humble I'm just writing a book (laughs) (laughs) I mean see the creative process will humble you what yes something about writing a book all my pride just went out the window I was like ah what is happening (laughs) starting again and again and again hmm what did you say? 
you're like, am I doing this? Am I doing this? I'm really doing this. Yeah. And then when you ask yourself that question, you get scared. Like, oh my gosh, I'm really doing this. Or maybe it's just me. I get scared and I stop. (laughs) And then I have to start again the next week or whenever my, like my brain resets or reboots. But yeah. That's, that's, you know, everyone has their process. And I, I, you know, I fuck with you because like you, to me, you don't like, you're like, well, you know, you're so humble about it. I'm like, but that's really dope. Like how you found yourself in the arts, like art became your therapy and you didn't even know it was your therapy before. Then like, you're like, oh crap, I've always had this. So I definitely fucks with it. Mm, mm. <laughs> it's funny that you say humble. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people in my life who who actually know me um and I say actually know me because family don't count <coughs> um <laughs> who actually know me would say um I'm I'm I don't intentionally brag but apparently the way I word my like the way I speak is a brag if that makes sense the way I speak about things I'm doing or have done so I I'm shocked that you said humble. I'm like, oh, this is a fresh new perspective. I love it. <laughs> I've never seen you as being anything less than humble. You're you're really awesome. Oh, thank you. Oh, I don't think being proud is awful. <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's a different type of pride, to be fair. Exactly. It depends. It's all about the attitude. Mm, mm, facts, yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um... I always felt like art was just destined to be something that I do. Like when I was a kid and I was a child, I loved music. Like I would not stop crying unless my mom played music. So there was that. And then I grew up to love to sing. And I sang actually for most of my adolescence. Like I didn't get into poetry until I was in high school. Mm. I thought I was gonna be a singer or some shit. Like that's really that's <laughs> dang really all of us. Anyone who could belt a note. Right. We was gonna yeah. be on who was gonna be on Sunday's best or something. We were gonna make it <laughs> somehow. Um, but I kind of lost my passion for singing because I, I just felt like people take something you enjoy and make it into a chore. Mm. And it was it was the yeah. practices and it was the that note's off and the note didn't sound off to me. And it was the mm-hmm. you know, it was the fact that I wanted to make things a little jazzy and people were like, no, keep it stale. And I'm like, that's fucking keep it stale. Awesome. Wait, hold on. You're, <laughs> you're now going to have to delve deep into that. What do you mean? First of all, maybe I should get your definition. What is keeping it jazzy? Keeping it jazzy. So in my idea, like I would like to do a little bit more runs, you know, and I wanted to make it my own. So when I think of something being jazzy and snazzy, I think of it being like fun and upbeat and kind of bringing in my flair into it. That's when I say keeping it jazzy. Um, Mm. But when I say keep it stale, a lot of times I really did mean to me singing it how the singer sung it, the original singer. Oh, okay. So, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Takes Mm -hmm. the personality of the individual who's kind of doing the cover. So it just singing became a chore to me. So I started to explore my other creative avenues. Like I I like to paint, I like to dance. Um, but it was something about poetry and the fact that it was the one thing that I could do that people couldn't control. Like the way Mm. I put my words together, the way I tell my story, the way I tell Mm. what story I decide to tell is mine. 
Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And like, no one gets to say, oh no, you, you cut the words too short or you, it's too long or it's too, yeah, I it get that. It doesn't flow. And I'm just like, well, bitch, make it flow. <laughs> um, that was kind of my thing. And then I grew to, I went from doing poetry to performing a lot of my poetry to kind of opening up avenues for artists in my area to perform. I published a few books. And that's kind of where I am. Like poetry became something that is like, it's like my arm. I don't know who I am. We're definitely just going to go right back to that. (laughs) I published a few books. (laughs) Okay. Tell us about your books. I published my first book when I was six. I was, no, I was 15. I published, I found a way to self-publish my poetry because the boy I was dating at the time used Mm. a piece of one of my poems. So it wasn't me publishing a book like I was going to be on some like extra, oh, she's amazing type shit. It really was you (laughs) and I'm going to sue you. Like that's really. Oh, wow. That was the mindset. But when I did, my mom and my family was so enamored with the fact that I actually published it myself. Mm. Um, so it became a habit whenever I would write so many poems I would collect as many poems as I could and I would publish a book and so I have like mm. a small collection of my own writing in my in my library now the last two books I published I felt were good enough to actually share <laughs> so I started sharing my work with people like selling my book or giving my book away or just going places and reading pieces of my book um mm. And I, I, I intend to actually continue to write and publish more because I really love the process of, it's something about holding a book in your hand and the contents of in it are yours. Yes. It's, yes. It's a different type of feeling. It feels, mm. It's amazing. Mm. Facts. I'm let, like, I know I haven't actually published my book, but the way I explain it to people and I guess it's just hard to understand when you're not in that when they're not in that community but I'm so happy you said it because I've literally just had fantasies where I'm just (laughs) I'm just holding the book with my name on it and just like smelling the pages like ah yes yes (laughs) because we're creepy like that it's something so intoxicating (laughs) about that moment where you're sitting Mm. and you're like you rub your hand across the cover where your name is and Mm. you go through the pages and you're like this is me these are my this is my blood sweat tears memories like happy smiles sad angry smirks Mm. whatever like this is this is me the contents of this book is my baby that's a type of it's like being immortalized like because because one thing about writing it's never, ever, 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 especially now that we're in like the social media age and everything. Once you put it out, it's out. Yes. You know, it will always be found somehow, some way. Unfortunately. You know, so <laughs> that's kind of sad. And it's like a bittersweet thing. But for for art, it's it helps you tr- like trace your both your mental progress and your writing progress like when I read poems I was writing in this time in 2019 I'm like dang I'm sorry girl (laughs) yeah that hurt oh my god I'm so (laughs) yeah when I when I get like therapeutic I'm suddenly American I should let everyone know (laughs) Um, but yeah 
I um, when yeah, I, I read poetry from when I was sixteen, and I was literally looking mm. at like, who hurts you? Like, who right? You like, do I need to go fight somebody? Like, <laughs> like, like it's 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 like your scars, the mm. your healing you've placed in this book. Mm. I think it's such it's a very therapeutic and beautiful journey. Mm. Mm. And I don't think it gets talked about enough, especially to, uh, well, I'm not sure about your side of the world, but like in Nigeria, something about writing as little as writing poetry. It's like, even in our literature class, it was just one time we actually wrote and I was stuck <laughs> thinking about it. Now I have to laugh because when I think about what I wrote, I can't remember for the life of me, first of all, and I don't have a notebook, but it was like two lines because <laughs> I had never written a poem. Um, I had only ever written stories. Uh, but when I had to actually confront my emotions like head on, I remember it was just like a whirlwind. Like I was like, what is happening? It, it felt too raw right. to write down. So instead I just started writing about things around me to ground myself in that reality it was scary but yeah the first time I opened the door of poetry was like ah it's gonna suck me in I'm finna die (laughs) like what am I doing what am I doing what am I doing like right and everyone in my literature class was literally just you know just like pens wiggling away like oh we got this down like and I was just thinking dang you can't even get a poem right aren't you supposed to be a writer oh oh my god (laughs) So that's something that I don't think we talk about enough. It's like with artists, they feel like we should just be able to sit in front of a pen and paper and mm. create masterpieces. And that's not mm-hmm. how it works. Like there needs to be an, an area of motivation, an area of inspiration. Like there, mm. in my opinion, like I can write about things I've seen. I can write about things that have directly impacted me, things that have impacted others. Like I've been blessed in that light. But there are people who don't have that, who can't write if they've never felt the emotion, mm. you know? Mm. And so every artist has their niche. Mm. And process, facts. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I don't think that gets talked about very much, especially, okay, so once you join the literature class, I'm sorry, I'm just talking from the experience that I know, but once you join, everyone just expects that you're this certain type of person. Um, but as I was the class clown, it was a shock that I was in the literature class. So everyone just thought, right, she can't, she just can't do sciences. That's why she's here. Do you get what I mean? So just that being, being uh, labeled from the start, from the jump, I feel like also restricted any creative flow. I genuinely loved literature class, like breaking down, um, other poets words what they could have meant like in my own free time obviously I didn't tell people that then because well I don't know we were all too worried about the wrong things (laughs) at that time so you know I would be by myself and just be thinking about the way um William Wordsworth for example wrote a poem you know about society right you know ah, I forget the name of the poem but it's really good I remember just being like how did he 
how did he know the word? Were the words always there? Like, <laughs> it really, honestly, if you think about it, poets are like magicians, but with words. Because where do you, as a child, you know, a kid looking up to, to you, for instance, and then seeing your poetry, they'd be like, but how do you just know the words to say? And then you'd say, oh, you know, you feel it and you write it down. And they don't understand that. I would have never understood that if some, someone said that to me, like, oh, I just feel it. You know, I also think that has a lot to do with how, as children, we're taught to perceive different careers. Like mm. earlier, your mom was like, you're going to be a lawyer, you know, get into science. And like my mom was really into, for me, like everything that wasn't artistry, um, mm. you know, because of the stereotype, oh, you know, you're expected to be an artist. You're expected to do this, but you know, it's mm. a career that's gonna last. And I'm like, we don't talk about the beauty of art. Like, no one talks about where we would be if there was no Langston Hughes, or mm. Maya Angelou, or Nikki Giovanni, mm. or Robert Frost. Like, no one talks about where we would be if there was no element of entertainment. That career. Mm. And the fact that entertainment comes and relaxes individuals, it it brings a different aura to who we are. Like it's mm. important. It's just as important as scientists, doctors. Like I think that where you have therapy of the mind, you also have therapy of the arts. Music can mm. heal just as well as therapy. You know what I'm saying? Like facts. No, absolute facts. You're right. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. a lot of the elements of where we look at you know, art and stuff is untouchable or kids look at there like, how do you do that? It's really because we don't spend enough time promoting mm. artists and, and talking right. about their courage because it takes courage to decide that, hey, I'm going to just drop everything and write for a living. Mm. <laughs> you know? It takes a lot of courage. It really does. I think like, especially in, in the way you said it, um, they're all they're all necessary to a functioning society, but in a, in as much as like parents, uh, what's it called? Parents know this. They don't actually. It's like right. Yes, there have to be entertainers in the world. Yes, there have to be poets and creatives. But my kid is going to be this. Okay, but if everyone did that. <laughs> if everyone said my kid is going to be this instead of this you know that someone else's kid would do that then no one's kid would get there that early if that makes sense like no one's kid would actually get to harness the gifts that they were born with and I say born with because some gifts you have and then you develop exactly. like you grow and others you have to learn but either way if you're just only making that kid learn stuff do you get what I mean the ones they came with are just gonna what sit there collecting dust you know and then one day after like 60 years they're suddenly playing piano right. <laughs> you know it's, it's insane because they they're like I know so many people who have worked careers for so long who mm. are pissed because they're like this is not what I wanted to do. You know, they're mm. like, I wanted to be this. I wanted to do that, but I was so afraid because it didn't look logical. It didn't look this. And I was told I could never do it. Like that seems to be a running theme, especially with people who are artists, because to say, hey, you know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? <laughs> Recite. Mm. It sounds a little crazy. Like how are you going to pay your bills? Right. I was literally just about to say. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I told my parents from like, I don't know, from jump that, yeah, I'm sticking to this creative writing stuff. I mean, I guess because I'm a girl, my dad might have let it slide. But if it was a guy, actually, no, I don't think he would have let it slide either way. But if it was a guy, he'd be like, how would you provide for your family? Da, 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 da. Like it, <laughs> it just it makes me sad. And like, it's funny at the same time, like that we were so were so occupied with the financial area of careers that we don't see that while there can be, you know, the, the, the part of you that learned something to make money, there's the part of you again, that this is naturally who you are. It might not be for making money and it might be for, it might do both. Like two things can be true you know right. it's not it's yeah it's not absolutely an extreme that all artists are broke like I still hear that oh writers are broke anyway how are you going to I'm just like I'm like yeah, yeah <laughs> just, let's tell, tell Stephen King he's broke just right me. right and they'd be like oh no this is just like one in a million okay but how you know I'm not about to be <laughs> how you know unless I try huh but then you can't really say it's one in a million. And I don't like, I feel like that's people trying to deter you from following your dreams. Of course, of course. All of, of these course. novelists and all of these lecturers who started off as novelists, like all of these poets, <laughs> like Maya Angelou, everything was set. I, and I talk about her so much because her life was set against her. Like mm. all of her circumstances, for the most part, were very tragic when she was growing up. And she mm. still turned out to be a prolific writer an author, a lecturer, an educator. It's like, <clears throat> who is to say what is one in a million? Just because you were too afraid to follow your dreams doesn't mean that I should be. And I have a saying I tell people all the time, passion over paper. I will chase my mm. passions and have faith that it will turn out as a return on the investment that I've given it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, my bad. No, you can't. Um, let me try and sit next to the router. Oh, it's a creak. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, carry on. Uh, what was the last thing you heard? Um, so basically, you were talking about Maya Angelou being a prolific writer, and that's when it cut off. Okay. Yeah, she's a prolific writer, and I like. I don't believe that it's one in a million. I feel like if you have the faith and you put in that work, you mm. can be that like that one. You could be the number two. You could be the number three. I also find that it is people who are too afraid to follow their passions who spew out hatred like that. Mm. And lastly, I always tell people passion over paper. If you follow what you're passionate about and you put the investment into it you will get a return you just have to be diligent oh okay yeah I 100% 100% I think also because the time that our parents and our uncles and aunties grew up in um I, I guess like people find it hard to understand that the people make the society mm-hmm if that makes sense. Okay. Not that society is just a fixed definition and that can never be changed. I think they had that mindset because I feel like we're, we're shifting. There's like a paradigm shift happening mm -hmm. where um, 
the creative industry is being recognized as very valuable in the future and the past and even like the present. So especially more than it was recognized then. And that's because people aren't letting their nosy aunties and uncles or sisters and brothers go, ah, how are you going to make money? You know, yes, it's a valid concern, you know, to be worried about how you're going to stay alive. Obviously, it's facts. Yeah, I get that. But if you're really worried and if it really did get to you, because there are some people who um, something about people putting that energy towards you, sometimes it, it eventually becomes true. I don't know if that's ever happened. Has that ever happened with you? That's happened so many times with me. Yeah. you know yeah. yeah because so many people have spoken their venom so you have to be careful first of all your poem that you wrote today mwah, have to be careful who you tell stuff because then venom and bad energy are slightly different to me bad energy can you can sense it from a mile away but venom is like that person concealed it and somehow you were not able to tell that they had something evil to spew on your, you know, idea, on your business, on your career, on your beliefs, on your lifestyle. Do you get what I mean? So for me, yeah, if you're absolutely, you're trying to be careful and everything, I think, why not do both? Why not both? Yeah, why not? have a paying job and chase chase your passion with every because you're giving someone else your time you might as well give yourself as well what like it 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 rattles me sometimes sometimes like I'm I'm helping someone else make their dreams come true yes and that's not to say that's a problem because there's some people who are brought to this earth just to build I've noticed um but then those people are also part of the people who would talk at the side of their mouth because they've just only done that. Yes, you might be called to build someone else's dream, but that does not now mean that's the only thing you're called to do your entire life. I if like that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I like to think of us as building blocks. I feel like uh-huh. we are supposed to help one another, right? I'm uh-huh. supposed to build you up and in turn, you're supposed to build me up. Like we're supposed to work as a team. I like uh-huh. people who are so content and they, because I don't know if you're afraid to follow your own dreams or someone uh-huh. told you that your dreams were invalid. There is a contention. Like there's this, this, this argumentative thing within us that we are like we can't do this and we're going to tell you why we can't it's just not for us no Mm. and it's not true we were Mm. meant to be we were all meant to be successful and I I like to tell people all the time everyone can't be a leader because then who would follow Mm. but just because you're not a leader in one does not mean you're a leader in another facts and I like what you said about that that little fight I think it's not just that they you know settled or decided that they're average there's also some people that the fear of right what happens if this one thing that I love to do doesn't take off 
and then that validates everything that all these mean people in their lives have said about them do you get what I mean and yeah and for some people that's stagnating that that holds them from even ever touching it I know that has held me from writing a book I'm, I'm happy that finally you know I said to hell to hell with it do you get what I mean but that has held me for years because I have started and stopped and started and stopped so many times and I just realized I do you know what I'm getting this book out there to get this book out there someone's story needs to be heard yes yeah and I'm going to tell it that's about it and whatever happens happens but that's my main reason for doing it and I think that's that's essentially like there's just an adjustment of lens that has to happen but it has to come from the person you know it has to come from you as a person rather than uh being told how to do it what to do per se I don't know yeah I think that the one thing that I love about artistry is that you, you can be telling someone else's story and your story can also heal and save. And mm. we, we don't understand is how our, how someone else seeing us going through something and making it out can give them hope. Exactly. It can give exactly. them the power to know that they can also be okay. Like it, to me, that is why I do what I do. I tell my stories, not because I'm looking for any empathy or sympathy, I got enough of that from God. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, um, yes. <laughs> I tell my story because one is liberating to me mm. because I should not have to carry this burden. I've let it. Mm. And two, because what I experience can be someone else's saving grace. Mm. Little old me with all of my health issues and all my other issues, the goofy girl that I am can go through these life altering situations and make it out. Okay. Show, mm. can, can show somebody that hey if I'm strong enough I know you're strong enough mm. I can live through this I know you can too you know so that's what poetry is to me besides the love sappy shit that I be writing because you know <laughs> I'm a hopeless romantic but right, I've seen that <laughs> I've seen that I'm like ooh, I don't know about do you know what I've always wanted to write love stuff but every time every time I try it just just I'm like yeah and that's the last time I do that <laughs> it's really hard so I could have see you it's you know, really hard it's hard on another level because like when I actually like start feeling a person and I write some uh, poetry they're like oh so you wrote all your other bitches poetry and I'm like seriously like it's a right like, just let me have my moment <laughs> you know? exactly exactly it's it's I don't know I feel like two things erotica and um like love poems they scare me because scare me in the sense of like when I try to do it I'm like no everyone's gonna see me Uh." (laughs) like they're gonna really see me and people don't get it but the reason I'm good at writing pain is because I'm not ashamed of pain yes I'm not saying I'm ashamed of love or like sex but yes to an extent in comparison yes <laughs> because because of the culture I grew grew up around of you know that cliche yeah so in as much as I'm already on learning that I just don't think I'm ready yet anyway 
uh you know never say never but I don't think I'm ready to I do be trying I do be like oh I do be trying it's it's that's why I'm like oh my girl <laughs> you're it you're it thank you beautiful and as are you I wish that I could feel more comfortable telling my story the way you do because you just you lay your shit out there you're like here this is it I made it through I'm good and I'm like okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be posted I'll be posted I'm running away like <laughs> immediately I pressed post I shut down my phone Da-da-da-da. sometimes your comments catch me in the like in the middle of getting away and I'm like oh shit like I forget that this is Instagram and no one can see you've seen their comments so I immediately respond and then run away like, oh thank you love you bye <laughs> essentially because I'm like oh no I don't want to see this because I too used to get caught up in numbers I feel like it's hard not to um on Instagram I used to get caught up yeah I used to care. I don't care anymore. I'm so tired of like the fake comments and like mm. I write a poem about childhood trauma and someone comments and say, This is beautiful. Like, fuck you. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so beautiful. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Where, like, where is the beauty? So so my abuse is beautiful to you? Like <laughs> I mean, I guess some people do see like there's people like that for real. Um some people do see beauty in uh what's it called pain mm-hmm. but but I don't think those people who actually comment this is beautiful even ever read it yeah I wrote a whole poem about people who say that on comments I think and it was the funniest thing because people were saying it in the comments and I was just like yeah I saw that I was laughing I was like oh my god this is hilarious <laughs> this proves my point like you will probably say this is beautiful <laughs> bruh it's yeah Mm-mm. I don't even it's hard to go into because so basically I have someone who's in the artist community um like visual art um and he talks about how toxic their community is and I'm always like <sighs> sometimes I forget I'm in the writing community just because like I don't think I've related with them as much as you like I, I'd be talking to him saying as much as you've related with the art community because I just can't imagine someone saying that to me <laughs> like it's not even a how dare you or I'm so high and mighty it's just the we writers there's that boundary boundaries are so clear like I'm not saying it ever like it stops people from doing it in the writing community but the frequency that I hear about this in the art community where someone just comes into your DMs and mm-hmm. says, right, um, you have so many people following you um, that that's why you guys don't care about the small artists. You're only just like, like making money. Like someone comes into your DMs to shame you for building up yourself. <laughs> One. I don't understand that. I know. And... I would when I used to read his DMs, I would be like, no, I have to send something back. And he's like, no, let's just ignore it. I'm like, no. <laughs> it's either you block this person or you actually give them something scathing. Because there's no way they should think this is fine. You you just let it, you know. Slide. Because someone else will come and which is what has been happening. Bad people just come into shame him in his DMs saying, 
right um who do you think you are someone that barely even says you know talks about anything but art and I'm like oh no they dare not do that in the writing community insane the block button is so like the way we use the block button in this community it's so real it's interesting and we don't no 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 we don't stop like we have to we have to give you clap back and then block yes oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you have to know how i need to get it out of my system because there's no way there's no reason why you should still be swimming in my mind <laughs> after i hit block so everything's coming out and then block that is all that's what we did exactly because can you imagine though can you imagine someone coming into your 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 dms saying actually do you know what <laughs> that has happened before I just realized, <laughs> ah, but it's not like shaming you. It's more of like that where they send you their writing and they're like, like and share. Who are you? <laughs> and what the like, really gets me is when it's not in English. <laughs> That's when I have. I feel bad because I used to follow those kind of people. I was like, do you know what? Let me just support. And then they would get like really passive aggressive, like really quickly. And I'm like, ah. I was just helping you buy. <laughs> the funniest thing to me is I told a person, I was like, can you like and share? I'm like, I can't even read it. It's not in English. And then they tried to paraphrase to me what it said. I was like, look, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for this. No. I'm like, no. Oh my God. No, paraphrase. Said, right. So this is what it says. So this exactly. So let me explain to you. Like, I didn't ask for this. So much work. Just if you know if you can translate, that's good. How about you write one for that language and one for your English readers? Otherwise, why the hell would I promote stuff I can't read? Hello, that's my thing. I'm not gonna let you could be saying something really degrading to a certain type of people. I'm not doing that. And then I'll just throw on some fire emojis like ah yes. (laughs) Right. Snap, snap, clap, clap. Like get away from me. The Instagram poetry community, though, the writing community on Instagram is very aggressive. Um, mm. It's kind of annoying. So I've decided to try to start a new engagement group. And I'm like, okay, let's engage with people. And it's just like the entitlement that comes with it. <laughs> oh, but it's an art thing, though. Oh, I've seen that it's an art thing. Like both visual artists and writers and poets and all of that. Creatives generally have maybe not not obviously not 100 percent, obviously because then i'll just be looping both both of us in <laughs> but usually have like personality issues Ooh. yeah yeah and oftentimes it's always a narcissist that you just i don't know they just start out really okay then they like bubble up into something scary for me they, how did i notice this my thing is like when they're all cool and nice in the beginning and then they turn around mm. and say something and you're just like excuse you mm. Mm. i know exactly <laughs> oh god it reminds me i have to say it now it reminds me of the girl who said that you know um black people should be happy because we're like exotic in japan or something i don't even remember how she said it she said it in a way that made me want to travel to her state and slap her. She said <laughs> it in a way to say that, hey, I know that fetishizing can be racist, but be happy you're being fetishized and not killed. Like, 
Right. Like, choose, duh. I mean, and I'm like, what? I just want to live. How about, how about neither? Hmm? How about you shut the fuck up? Like, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. That day I was, I literally froze because my brain, my brain didn't know how to, I guess, like, I feel like I needed to be American. I needed an American self, like an American double of myself to respond because I'm so, because we're subject to so much passive aggressive racism and racist undertones and microaggressions here that usually I just in my head say F off and carry on with my day. But this one was so blatant. I was like, ah, (laughs) I was not used to it. It was like, it was, it was like, there was someone with whips and chains in my room mm-hmm. saying, right, you know, at least these guys like you, you're going to go with these ones. <laughs> and I was, it was, it was, it was really an experience because now I can laugh. But that time I remember just shaking with rage, like, are you insane? And then someone else trying to defend like, oh, she didn't mean it that way. Oh, dang. Yeah. Now they're saying we can't read English. Okay. Okay. So now first you're saying it's okay. And then you're saying, oh, your comprehension level is off. You get me like, oh no, you clearly don't understand what I mean. You clearly don't understand how much you're about to get slapped. Right. Like, <laughs> the thing is, you can, you can kind of, you know, I feel like, you know how we know that there are always red flags with a toxic person. I feel like with a, like with a toxic romantic partner for instance mm-hmm. I feel like with a toxic friend or let's say a acquaintance because this wasn't really a friend was it no I wouldn't even call yeah. <laughs> with the toxic acquaintance there's 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 um uh telltale signs so I'd say in that group chat there for those two people the, oh we got the works we got oh. the works of the signs and I feel like we were both just trying to ride it out, be nice. You know, I'm, I was especially trying to avoid the angry black girl trope, which is annoying because the reason that trope is there is so we can lessen ourselves. But, you know, it, right. it takes time to actually understand that and just go beyond that. Just be yourself if you're going to be, if it's going to come out angry, well, maybe they shouldn't have made you angry, you know? Why are you so, oh, yeah. like, instead of looking at it as, oh, you're angry, they never look at us as maybe we're just passionate. I am passionate. Mm, mm, um, mm. But what got me, I, I don't know if you remember, but the first time we, we actually allow people to hear our voices. Mm. One, oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the members was like, you don't sound, I did not expect you to sound that way to me. And I was like, well, sound educated, sound educated. Like I thought you would have been more ghetto or what well, he's no, he said redneck. And I was like, actually in my country, you would be considered a redneck. Like, and yeah, you, cause I was like redneck. Right. I'm like, <laughs> excuse you. Like whom, like what? Like it, and he's British. We should say that he's British. And was he was so blatantly, blatantly was so racist. So yeah, he was cute. He was, he was actually so cute. And I was like, oh my gosh, disappointed. He was racist, sexist. sexist. I just, he was a sadist as well. Oh. Like rapist. Just like- Ooh, right. Like I, I don't want to say it because you know, but yeah, yeah their messages had me shook. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> what is happening? I don't know, but what I know is that it's disgusting and that's a lot in the artistic community. It's like they they take their problems and, oh, I'm an artist, when in reality, they're using it as a cover for being nasty. Mm, mm, for being a disgusting person. Precisely. You know, the sad thing, though, is, um, you know how, like, I don't know if it's just the entertainment industry in America, how the Me Too movement came about, and there's, like, different waves of it now in the sense that it came in the acting industry um there's probably going to be one if there isn't already in the music industry um you know i'm beginning to see a pattern with just entertainers and creatives in general where what you said is exactly true where they use their talents to mask like more than to mask issues that need help help yes and I'm like, oh my God, no, you shouldn't just be writing poetry. That's good for you, yes. But maybe you should be writing it in a mental facility, I think. <laughs> or okay. like behind bars or something. My thing is this, like, uh, yeah, you write poetry. That's great. You shouldn't be mentoring anybody. Ever. This guy was a teacher. Oh, I needed to say that because that was bothering me. He was a, a teacher. teacher. Who thinks like that? Is he insane? I'm like, I feel bad for all of your Black children. I was just thinking and imagining that. Are there, do all teachers, <laughs> every time he spoke to me, I would think about my high school teachers. And because I went to an all-girls school, they were all women. And I'd be like, imagine if this teacher was a perv, or this one, or that one, or... I, it, it just threw me off like completely that wow maybe the labels that um people have in their day-to-day -day just wash like it rinses perspective for us so we don't see so we don't actually see who they really are if that makes sense or maybe just because like they're children and obviously mm -hmm. children aren't going to notice that I feel like we don't walk, like so many people don't walk in their truth. Mm. They keep these masks on because the masks are comfortable. And, mm. you know, it's, it's better for you to know my representative than it is for you to know me, you know? So I'm always intrigued when um, I see that in people, like when mm. they allow their true selves to be seen. Mm right yeah. for our introductory episode i think we're kind of full <laughs> yeah we've done good <laughs> you've done good <laughs> so um i'm thinking that our uh our episodes will be every maybe every other tuesday okay sounds good yep yeah is there anything you want to say to the people um <laughs> oh you put me on on the spot okay um wear your masks stay safe <laughs> <laughs> run away from crazy people and have a great day and i'd like to add to that if you're crazy please seek help <laughs> immediately, immediately seek help <sighs> all right well thank you guys have a good night and we'll see you next time bye bye